Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15 to 18 today, or grab the notes. Hey, FYI, if you haven't downloaded the app, go to the app store uh, of your cell phone or your iPad or your computer and, and go to Calvary Chapel Los Alamitos. We have the notes there. We have the worship music there. Uh, we have the past sermons there, the current events there. We're, we're going to get better and better as we, we go on, but it's a great resource for you. Well, you remember in back, we have been in chapter 2, and it's talking about salvation. It said we were dead in our trespasses. He made us alive with Christ, in Christ. By grace, we've been saved. Why? Because of his great love. How? Grace, putting faith in the goodness, the mercy, the love, the forgiveness, the cross, the death, the resurrection of Christ. For what purpose? because he's made us this amazing work of art that he wants to unlock. So as we are now in the spirit, walking in the spirit, we can uh, have this fruitful life of good works. So we were studying before and it was all about us and God. When we got to verse 11, it started talking about man to man. And he's talking about the division that's there uh, Unfortunately, it was there at Paul's time between Jew and Gentile. It's still there today. But you remember my verse 11. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, you were called uncircumcision by what's called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. So the Jews on the eighth day, they would circumcise their child because they had a covenant of Abraham. And to remember that covenant, to walk in that covenant, the Gentiles... They did not have the covenant of Abraham. It didn't matter if they got circumcised or not. They weren't a Jew. But we realize as we go on in the Bible that it really never was about physical circumcision. It was The physical circumcision was really speaking of what God would one day do in the heart, a spiritual circumcision. And in Deuteronomy 30 verse 6, it says, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart. And the heart of your descendants, I love this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and uh, that you may live. Wow. Paul talks about this circumcision of the heart in Romans chapter 2, verse 25 to 29. For the circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law, which nobody can do. But if you are a breaker of the law, which we all are, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. If, you, if you're a lawbreaker, it doesn't really matter if you kept one of 613 laws, you, you still have broken it all, right? I mean, if I've never broken a law in all my life and I rob a bank, I can't say, look, I, I've lived 60 years and, and I've not broken any law. I just robbed one bank in 60 years. You're not going to throw me in jail, are you? It, it only takes one bank robbery, right? You, you just break one law. And you're now a lawbreaker. You don't have to do 10 of, 10 of them. And in verse 26, Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, which nobody can do, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Hypothetically, never going to happen. And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who, even if your written code of circumcision, are the transgressor of the law? So if a Gentile kept all 613 of the laws, even though he wasn't circumcised, wouldn't God see that as a righteous man? And then verse 28, 29 is the key here. 
For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor a circus is that which is of the outward in the flesh. He is a Jew who is one inwardly. The circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So who are the true Jews? It's those who are circumcised in heart to love God with all their heart and with all their soul. And so the Gentiles did not have a covenant with Abraham. They were, it says in verse 12 of last week, we looked at that at the time they were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers, aliens from the covenants of promise. So they were completely without a connection to God or got a connection to them. It makes it clear in Galatians 3.16, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises. That's what they were made for. Isaiah 49.6, I will also give you to be as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So now the Jews were to be a light to the Gentiles and to bring them into all the promises of God. And in Genesis 12, this was always the plan. He said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you and in you all the families or all the people groups of all the earth will be blessed. It was always God's plan to bring everybody in. After he brought in the Jews and God showed us through the Jews that no matter how great the promises are that God gave us, it would never help them. It would never cause them to be righteous because of their sinful nature. And so in the same way, if God gave a promise or gave some kind of covenant to the Gentiles, it would just be a repeat of what God did with the Jews. We still would have broke the laws. We wouldn't have been made righteous no matter what God gave us. And he said it right in Ephesians 2.12 last week where there's no hope and we were without God in the world. Jesus said to the woman at the well, you, you don't know what you worship here in Samaria, but we do worship the Jews, know what they're talking about, for salvation is of the Jews. Let's just let that sink in just a minute. We are saved by a Jewish Messiah. We call ourselves Christians because in the book of Acts, the Romans use that as a, as a negative word. You're a bunch of little Christ. They saw them as self-righteous little people trying to walk like Jesus did. And the Christians are like, well, I'm sorry I'm annoying you, but that's a great title for us. But that's really not the truth. The truth is, is we are a part of Judaism. That we are a part of the completed work of Judaism. That Abraham would eventually bless everybody and his descendants on the whole planet. And then we would be like Abraham's children adopted in to that life. And in Acts 4.12, it's through that Messiah only. There's no name under heaven in which men can be saved. It's only in Christ. He says this in Colossians 1.27. We need to look to that Jewish Messiah because he's the only way. In Colossians 1.27, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's the mystery solved. 
What did it mean where God said to Abraham, and after I bless all you and your descendants, I'll bless all the peoples of the work, all the peoples of the earth through your descendant, referring to Christ, the seed, the seed. And so we need to get our eyes on Jesus. He alone is the author. He alone is the finisher of our faith. So we looked at the final verses last week, verse 13 and 14. But now in Christ you were once afar off as Gentiles, have been brought near to the blood of Christ. What were we brought near to? A sacrifice, a Jewish sacrifice. For he himself is our peace. I love that. He himself by himself without any other help or aid is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. And so he says in verse 14, he made both one, broke down the middle wall of separation. So the idea is, is after the Messiah came, that there would no longer be a Jewish church and a Gentile church of Christians, as was happening at this time, because the Jews culturally were repulsed by the Gentiles. They didn't drain the blood the way the Jews drained the blood before they ate their meat. The Gentiles ate lobster and crab. <laughs> and the Jews, it was repulsive to them. It smelled repulsive. They, they, they said, hey, we're glad that you're following our Messiah, but just stay away from us. And he, and, and he says here in verse 15 today, no. He's abolished Christ in his flesh. He abolished the enmity, which means to be at war with. You're no longer at war with one another. That is the law of commandments containing ordinances, so as to create in himself, listen, one new man. Not two, not three, one new man from the two, thus making peace. Jesus, I believe, was talking about this in John 17. I don't think they knew this. But this is what Jesus was praying in John 17, verse 20. The prayer is not for them alone, not just for them alone. It sounds like he's praying just for the apostles. I'm not just praying for the apostles and for the 70 and for the 500 believers that are on earth right now. I believe he was referring to the Jews. But I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. I think that's referring to the Gentiles can't prove it not dogmatic about it that all of them may be what one father just as you are in me and I in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me Jesus said over and over girl world the world would look on they would see your love for one another and they would know that you're my disciples boy the insight becomes the world would see your love for Jew and Gentile and Gentile and Jew in one body. And they would see that that unity is impossible in a civil world. It's impossible in the cultural world. But there would be no division. You'd be like one. I and them and you and me. And they may be perfect in unity. I can tell you I've traveled a lot of the world and people that I do not know them or don't understand their culture, but yet when we gather like this, we feel like we've known each other our whole life. 
And, and I got to remember sometime, oh, we had our conversations with translators. I, I don't even speak the same language because I feel like I, they're, they're like somebody that's really close to me. And, and I know they feel that way about me. They've heard me teach for years and then they realize, oh, Brian doesn't speak our language. When you go to Africa, the same thing. The black-white issue in the church is not an issue at all. You don't see blacks, you don't see whites, you just see brothers in the Lord. And it's, it's true. It's not, I'm not making this up. Satan's plan is always to divide. And if you can't divide, at least try to get a spirit of division. And so we have all these denominations. You know what the word denomination is, right? The word in English means to divide. We have all these divisions. Oh, man, I'm glad. These divisions make us stronger. No, it doesn't. It was never Christ's design. He wants us to be loving one another and major on the major issues and minor on the minor issues. But there's people that won't go to church with people that believe in the pre-trib. That's ridiculous. I am, I'm post-trib. I can't worship with you. You've got to be kidding me. We both agree the Lord's coming back. It's just a matter of seven years. I believe at the beginning, you believe at the end of seven years, and we can't fellowship together because what's going to happen, maybe in our lifetime, maybe not. <laughs> but because the, it's, it's just bizardom God never intended that the spirit of God is that we'd be one and made perfect in unity complete matured when we come to unity and you know you'll find that the more mature in the Lord the more spiritual a person is the less divisive they are it's just the truth when I'm out sharing the Lord with people I, I don't care what denomination are they just love the Lord I'm glad you're a Christian well you didn't ask me I'm an Episcopal I'm a Catholic I'm a Pentecostal I'm a you know what right now it doesn't matter we're one we're on the front lines of the battle we're trying to lead people to Christ it doesn't matter to me but 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 once this is over then you know we baptize babies you know well we don't do that well that's why we can't be together no it's ridiculous so the law of commandments were contained in the ordinances are gone so here was the big issue with the jews the gentiles never tried to keep the law they never knew about the law and now christianities came and they said the law's been filled they still don't have to learn about the law remember they had a big blow up in acts 15 and and the apostles said well well, well yeah you're right and I love this. It says, the Jews are to be saved as the Gentiles. <laughs> I wonder how the, the Jews felt about being saved as the Gentiles were. Oh, slip of the tongue. I, I think it was supposed to say the Gentiles can be saved like the Jews. But the Jews couldn't let go of the law. And they're saying the Gentiles got it right. They're free. But, 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 but what about the law? What about circumcision? And that's what they were saying. The Christian Pharisees, the Pharisees got saved, were going behind Apostle Paul and then getting the people in the church circumcised, the Gentiles. 
And when Paul heard about it, he did an about face and he said, come here. And he grabbed these guys by the ear and took it back to Jerusalem. And Paul made an argument saying, we were circumcised and it didn't help us. It didn't make us righteous. Matter of fact, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, I didn't come to abolish his law, I came to fulfill it. And this is exactly what Colossians 2, verse 11 through 13, 7, 11, 13 says, In him you also circumcised with a circumcision made, how? Without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you being dead in your trespasses and circumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So, are we circumcised? Yes, we are. So, a Jew looks at you, you're in Israel walking by, going, Hey, you got one of our uh, yarmulkes on there. Are you circumcised? Yes. I'm not going to show you because I can't show you my heart. That's why I can't show you. You know, you, you think about the circumcision thing. God has a real sense of humor, right? It, it's just one of those things that you really can't show off even if you feel righteous by it. So yes, we're circumcised. Everybody here is circumcised by Christ, by his death and resurrection. Well, how did you get circumcised? When I was with Christ on the cross, I died with him on the cross. And then when he was buried, I was buried with him. And when he rose again from the dead, I rose again from the dead with him. That's circumcision according to the New Testament. And God's Holy Spirit then, as I believe, came into my heart and he circumcised my heart took out the foreskin of that old flesh nature i used to rejoice in my flesh i didn't feel guilty about my flesh but now i want to live righteously and the battle begins of trying to crucify daily the flesh that i could live according to the spirit well in colossians 2:14, the keevers having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us read romans 7 Paul said the law was good, but it was against me, which was contrary to us. And he was taking it out of the way, having what? Nailed it to the cross. There in Matthew 5, I didn't come to abolish the law to fulfill it. How are you going to do that? I took all 613 laws. Jesus lived a perfect life, not breaking any law. But yet on the cross, the entire legal system was fulfilled in Christ. You want to know more about that? Come Wednesday night. Radical in Ruth, chapter 4, chapter 5. The next two Wednesdays, we're talking about that in detail. But here it goes on to say in verse 13, it was by the blood of Christ. Do you remember that? We were brought near to him, how? By the blood. That's how we were brought near. Leviticus 17, 11 says, for it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. In Hebrews 9.22, according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats would take away sins. So in Judaism, we do sacrifices. You know about that? 
because you can't you can't come into the temple area and see that but we do a lot of blood sacrifices so what you as a gentile what sacrifices do you do none but i am very much saved through a sacrifice of a lamb yes of a lamb who's your priest jesus who's the one who did the sacrifice jesus Hebrews 10 tells us the Jewish system was broken from the beginning. All it was ever was just to be a picture of Christ and his work. In Hebrews 10.1, the law having a shadow of the good things to come. It was just a picture, a type of what Christ would do. And not, a very, not of the very image of things. It wasn't the actual literal image. It was just a shadow can never with these same sacrifices we offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. Hebrews 9, 14 and 15. How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God for this is the reason he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant and those who were called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. We just did that today, didn't we? Jesus at communion said, here's the blood of the what? New covenant. The old covenant never was gonna work. The old covenant was just to help show a shadow of what had to be done in a different way because man offering up animal sacrifices never did do the trick. At best, it could cover sins for a period of time, but then the new sacrifice would have to come because we've got to cover for old sins that we committed. And it's, it's a constant cycle of imperfection. In Hebrews 10, verse 5 through 7, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but what? A body you have prepared for me. And burnt offering sacrifice for sins, you have no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I've come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Hebrews 10, 9. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Hebrews 10, 10. That will by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hebrews 10, 14, for by one offering, one offering, he has perfected forever. You notice I have it all capital? That's why I was real loud when I read it. <laughs> Through the one body, he has perfected for how long? Forever. Those who are being sanctified oh i want to teach ruth four right now but i'll, I'll wait i'll teach ruth three, ruth three wednesday night but oh man you're gonna you're gonna get blessed john the baptist said it clearly didn't he when he saw jesus coming towards him behold what the lamb of god who takes away not covers for a year but takes away the sin of who? The whole world. All sins have been paid for. All are called to come and receive of a forgiveness of sins. P. 
Peter adds about that lamb, we're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but precious blood of Christ. Who is Christ? As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Paul says it this way in Colossians 1.14, In whom we have redemption through what? His blood. The forgiveness of sins. Well, well we as Jews, we, you know, we have all kinds of feasts all year and we have to do sacrifices all year and, and we have peace offerings and consecration offerings and sin offerings and intentional sin offerings and unintentional sin offerings and, and, and you guys, you guys don't do any. Who's your priest? Jesus. Was he of the tribe of the Levites, of Aaron? No. He is a priest of the order of Melchizedek in Genesis 14, you can read about it. But hold it. Uriah was of the tribe of Judah. He was a king, and he just wanted to burn incense. And leprosy smote him until the day he died because he was of the tribe of Judah trying to do what only the tribe of Levites can do. So if you're telling me that, that Jesus was a priest, then he can't be the king. He can't be of the tribe of Judah as the prophesies be the lineage of David and be a priest. And if he did do the sacrifice, if Jesus was a priest and sacrificed himself, then it's an abominable sacrifice because he wasn't of the tribe of Levi. Ah, go back, read Genesis 15. Abraham there was given wine and given bread and they commune together. Who was he? He was the king of Salem. Melchizedek was the priest of God Most High. He was a king and he was a priest. Interesting, once we receive the Lord, it tells us in Revelation 1.6 that we become kings and priests to God. So tell me about your sacrificial system. We have one priest. That's it for the whole world? It's all seated. Well, what kind of sacrifices does he do himself? Well, what is he? He's the Lamb of God. Our priest completed the Old Testament. The Old Testament is closed. The door is shut. When Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled the law. He nailed it to the cross. And when Christ died, the law is now fulfilled in us by obeying it? No. It was fulfilled in Christ obeying it for us. We couldn't obey it. So he obeyed it for us. All the blood of the bulls and goats could never take away sin. They can only cover sin. And it finally, if you come to the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, Italian guy, it tells us that the people were bringing not perfect lambs of God without spot. They were bringing the lame and the blind and the crippled and the deformed lambs. There was to be an inspection by the priest. 
But the priests couldn't care. They were all apathetic. I could care left is sublime. We're going to gut it and kill it. It doesn't matter. So God in Malachi says, I'm sorry I'm wearing you out by going up to the temple. Well, it's hard. It's uphill. And we're tired. We've got a long way to travel. And it's a lot of work. We've got to do it every year. And, and I'm sorry. Don't come anymore, please. A matter of fact, if you come, I'm going to count it as if you don't come. So don't bother coming. Well, it costs a lot to bring up sheep all the way from our hometown and get them here. And by then they get a blemish and it's hard to carry that thing and get it just right. So it is a, you know what? I don't want any more sacrifices. A matter of fact, we, we're paying the helicopters for an aerial view of our service. You'll, you'll see it later on YouTube. So wave. Newsom wants to know if we're singing or not. Glad it came by now, not earlier. Anyway, sorry. Are you guys getting warmer? I think I'm going into the first uh, stage of hypothermia. I feel warmer all of a sudden. So the Old Testament, God says, no more sacrifice. Don't come to the temple. And, and God says, I'm sorry I'm wearing you out. I'm sorry that I'm costing you money. I'm sorry that you're, you're sitting outside freezing. And don't bother anymore. Get behind me, Satan. Messing us up here. The joys of outdoor ministry. Here it is. And uh, and then there's 400 years of silence. No more prophets. 400 years of silence. That silence is broken with John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In Romans chapter 3, verse 19 to 20, now we know that whatever the law says, it just says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For the law is the knowledge of sin. In John 3, 21 to 23, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. There it is. Being witnessed by the law and prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. Unbelievable. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to so all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the source of enmity between the Jews and the Gentiles should have ended. Because the Jews are saying, you're not following the law. And the Gentiles can now look at the Jews going, neither are you. But we have the law. But you never kept the law. 
well, you don't have a law. Well, if we had a law, we would have broke it like you. So it, it really is irrelevant that you had a law and it's irrelevant that we didn't have a law because we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he's created in himself one new man out of the two, making peace. Guys, this is to be happening now because it's definitely going to happen for all of eternity. In Revelation 5, 9, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals. And you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood and out of every tribe of tongue of peoples of nations. So in heaven, we see the rapture of the church take place in Revelation chapter 4. And now we see all the believers prophetically through this vision of John in heaven. And what happens? All the earthly languages go to heaven. All the earthly nationalities go to heaven. All the country cultural differences go to heaven. Well, I can't wait to get to heaven. No black people there. Well, one, you're a racist, but two, there's going to be a lot of black people there. So you better, you, you better let God deal with your wicked racist heart. Well, I, I don't mind getting to heaven, but those Asians, I hope not very many Asians there. You know what? You need to repent. Because there's going to be Asians there and they're going to all be speaking their various Asian languages. I'm picturing this guy's demon possessed and like Satan is causing him to to say they're talking about unity send a helicopter for that sermon leave Brian Broderson of Costa Mesa alone there that's not an important topic get over to Los Alamitos Calvary Chapel there and make sure that nobody hears about unity All, every tongue of nation of people, but not that guy. Not that guy. Anyway, verse 16. We are going to remember this day for a few reasons now, aren't we? Ephesians 2, 16. And that he might reconcile them both to God, to one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. Not just getting everybody in their corner saying, chill out. No, Christ on the cross put to death all divisions. This was Jew and Gentile, but in us, if we are of Christ, we read that Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, and our heart rejoices. Every nationality is going to be there. Their language is going to be there. Their culture is going to be there. How wonderful. God loves this. Verse 17. Ephesians 2, 17. And he came and preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who are near. That's the Gentiles. That was always the plan. When the Messiah came, he would preach 
to the Jews and the Gentiles. It's pretty funny when you think about it in those terms and go back and read the Gospels. Because Jesus went outside of Israel. He went and preached the Gospel to other people other than the Jews. It's funny, at one point they said, we know who Jesus is. He's a Samaritan and he's demon-possessed. And Jesus said, I'm not demon-possessed. He never denied being a Samaritan. <laughs> he's like, you want to call me a Samaritan? Go for it. I, I, I'm not offended by that at all. Right at the very end, the apostles come in days before Jesus is to be crucified and said, there's a whole group of Gentiles wanting to see you, Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm not going to see him, but it's the time. It's time. The crucifixion's getting ready to happen. Let's think back at the beginning of Jesus' story. Angels in heaven singing. And who showed up with gold and frankincense and myrrh? Gentiles, right? We're going to be studying in Ruth this Wednesday night how Christ in the church, it's Boaz and a Gentile woman of the tribe of Moab. We have so many verses. I have a list of them here for you out of Isaiah. But Isaiah prophesies clearly that when the Messiah comes, it would be as a light to the Gentiles. That Jesus would come out of Nazareth and he would be a light to the Gentiles. He would come out of Galilee and be a light to the Gentiles. In Isaiah 52:10, the eyes of all nations, the Lord has made bare his holy arm. The eyes of all nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of God. Jesus in himself in John 8:12 said, I am the light of the world, not just to the Jews. And so in Acts 26:3, Christ suffered, that he would be the first to raise from the dead, that the message of salvation would go to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. How, how are Gentiles Jews? When we have the same faith as Abraham. In Galatians 3, I'm not going to read it, but he says there that in verse 26 to 29, that we are sons of God in faith, the same a faith as Abraham. Jew or Greek, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter. In verse 29, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. If you are Christ, you are of what? Abraham's seed. Woohoo! We're Jews. Galatians 3, 7 and 8, if you have the faith of Abraham, God foreseeing this would justify Gentiles by faith. In Romans 9, he says, are all the children born of Abraham considered Jews? No, Esau wasn't. They were Edomites. Ishmael wasn't. Those are the Arabs. So which children? It was the children of promise, the children of faith. So he says in Romans 9, clearly in verse 8, those who are the children of the flesh, of the DNA of Abraham, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. In Romans 4, 16, 
Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of what? Us all. So Jesus came that we would have peace. In Romans 5.31, we've been justified by faith. Why? So we would have the peace of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The work of righteousness, Christ completed it, that we now can have peace. Isaiah 32.17 Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. What's one of the titles that will fall upon him? In Isaiah 9.6 that he would be our, what? Prince of Peace. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know, my, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. John 14, Jesus said, Peace I give to you. Not the peace, my peace I give to you. It's not as the world gives you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 16, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have, what? Peace. 2 Thessalonians 3, 16, now may the Lord of, what? Peace himself, it's emphatic, by himself, with no aid of anyone else, give you peace, always, in every way. He is our Prince of Peace. We have received him as Lord. He is now the Lord of Peace. Why? That even though we're in this world that lacks peace, that we would have peace. The final verse in verse 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. I don't know if you see that, but the Trinity jumps out to me. Through him, Jesus, we both have access by the Spirit, the Spirit of God, to the Father. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. That we would have access. This Greek word, prosoagoge, it's a specific word where a person would be able to go into the presence of the King. All God's children are made children of Abraham. Oh, the Jewish people? No. It's the faith people. God has from the beginning looked at the children of Abraham and those who were of the promise, those who would walk by the faith of Abraham. And then through the Messiah, it would go from the Jewish people to all the children of the earth. But as you go through the Old Testament, you'll find many people of faith that were Gentiles. So what do we learn here today? That we were once far off, we've been brought near. In Hebrews 10, 19 to 21, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter by the holiest, by the what? Blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, a new covenant, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having the high priest over the house of God. In Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, Seeing then we have a high, great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, 
let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen to verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We are not second-class citizens. We are all first-class citizens of Christ. Lord, thank you for your word today, and thank you that it's warming up now. And we even rejoice in this helicopter who has been the most annoying helicopter that has ever flown. We rejoice in that as well. And we know that your word went out. We know that you spoke to our hearts. And if there's anybody here today that understands that they need salvation, it's in Jesus. Jesus says, whoever believes in him, whoever receives him, he gives them the right to become children of God. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a matter of the heart of saying, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I trust in you.